Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. Not a lot of games on this weekend because the weather has, has beaten us, but there were some games on in the FA Trophy and the National Leagues. And we'll chat about them with Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. And our special guest for this week. And it's a bit of a goalkeeping theme on this week's podcast. Coming up later, we have Leatherhead manager Nicky Bull, who's a goalkeeper himself. And now on the line, we have England Seas goalkeeping coach, legend in Essex, Mick Payne. Hello, Mick. Yes, uh... Good morning to you, Luke. Uh, great to be on and, uh, you know, looking forward to having a good chat with you. And we have Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. So in the National League this week, although there's no transfer window as such, there has been a lot of, there was a lot of moves and uh, quite a few moves on deadline day as well. Yeah, there was one or two interesting ones as well. Um, Shamir Mullins, who's been at uh, Maidstone and not exactly pulled up trees there, two goals this season. Undisclosed fee for him to go up to uh, Macclesfield Town. We were obviously fighting at the wrong end of League Two to stay in it, and uh, it's interesting. They must see something there uh, in him that they feel they can work on and develop because they've got the coaches up there, haven't they? Andy Cole has joined uh, Sol Campbell on the uh, on the coaching team. The other the other uh, moves I wanted to mention. We touched on it earlier. Scott Bowden's gone back to the club where he started his career, uh, Chesterfield, and that's. Uh, a big, big loss for for Gateshead, although it's not a short-term effect in their uh, their form. Uh, a big loss for Wrexham too, who are in the uh, title race. Uh, uh, Raquel mm. Pike has been recalled by Huddersfield and sent back out on loan uh, to Rochdale. So they obviously impressed with what he's done at Wrexham, um, but want to see how he copes at a higher level. And the final thing must get your take on this: Danny Rowe, uh, a bid from a former. Uh, premiership club of just £50,000 for Danny Rowe yeah. prolific in non-league for the last three seasons honestly that, 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 that's embarrassing isn't it yeah Fylde left it out the room basically from the quotes I mean we were talking a couple of weeks ago Dave Challenger said they've turned down bids for £150,000 so I don't know what made this particular club think that they could just nick him for fifty grand. to be honest with you <laughs> There we go. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> I, I think they previously turned down six-figure bids for, for Danny Rowe. And uh, at the moment, he'll be focused on helping file the, to the playoffs, possibly, as we, as we say. Extraordinary statement that came out of Ebsley this week with the, the players actually all releasing a statement saying they've only been paid on time once in the last year. Uh, they've not been paying into the workplace pension, apparently, so they're not insured if they got injured. And it's it's quite a strong stance from the players, really. But fair play to them. They have got on with it, haven't they, this season? Yeah, I mean, it's two different things, isn't it? They're given their all on the pitch, and full credit to them for that. Um, but but they're not happy, and they've obviously got together as a group and decided they need to put it out there. As they say in the statement, the football club consciously withheld this information from the players, resulting in the players playing three matches in the National League without any cover. They weren't covered from an insurance point of view. Uh, they go on to say this would have been catastrophic for any players that would have been unfortunate enough to suffer a serious injury. It could have resulted in the end of a player's career. And more alarmingly, um, just trying to get across this one and get a little bit more information, you know, we're hearing that, 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 that the, uh, the pension payments were actually taken from the players account from their contributions and used potentially allegedly uh, to pay off third party debts as well so it's a real sticky mess there uh, Gary Hill getting a lot of things right uh, on the pitch and he'll be keeping his players focused on that going forward but uh, I guess um, Ebsfleet are um, 
it's just the silence coming out of there right now, isn't it? It's almost they don't know how to react to that. The football club. I'm sure we'll have to uh, see what uh, what comes out of there in the uh, in the next week or so. Yeah, it's just a bizarre statement. I mean, you can tell the players have had enough, haven't you? But it's not often you hear from the players as as a, as a squad and they come out and, and say stuff like that. I mean, it is really strong what they've put out there. Yeah, I think so. And uh, you know, I, I I guess they all have thought carefully about it. They'll have thought what would be the consequences of it. Um, and I guess they've kind of you know with a lot of them out of contract towards the end of the season and that only being a couple of months away as well I guess a lot of them have concluded they probably haven't got that much to lose and by doing it all together as a team anonymously as well rather than coming from one particular player or whatever uh, that kind of uh, it's showing unity of a different style isn't it basically There's only one game that went ahead in the National League yesterday Robin it was it was down at the Crabble Yeah Dover against Gateshead and uh, fascinating one actually I mean obviously all eyes were on it not only because it was the uh, the only game but Dover have been in great form pulling away from trouble at one end of the table uh, and Gateshead well it's a bit of a strange one um, they've lost uh, Scott Bowden back to Chesterfield we'll come on to some of the uh, uh, moves in a minute but um, they've lost Bowden uh, to Chesterfield Luke Armstrong was recalled by Middlesbrough uh, and the other striker their rig hasn't scored since October but they still uh, keep knocking on the door of those playoffs and uh, they came from behind to win yesterday what a story it was Greg Ollie on his 23rd birthday he's been out injured for quite a while but uh, he made that uh, late uh, run into the box in added time and got the winner for Gateshead what a fantastic train journey home it must have been for for Gateshead and their supporters yesterday and Mick one of the most unpredictable leagues isn't it the National League and uh, you know Gateshead they just won't go away all the script says that they should fall away now but they won't and uh, credit to the new management team there yeah I want to say Rob you know Gateshead are a club that uh they're digging deep there's no doubt about it you know I'm, I'm looking at the league as, as it stands I mean they're 7th at the moment they're on 51 points alright it's 9 points off top as such but what they're going to look to is to be in that uh, top 7 uh, by the end of the season when it, when, it, when it finishes and just see you know if they can you know stay in that position and uh, as it, as it, can, it is it's, it's so unpredictable it's so unpredictable but fair play to them because they've, they've had some upheaval haven't they there with the, the management uh, going and uh, having to start again and I know for a fact I mean in terms of their uh, uh, when I say budget it's not one of the biggest budgets in the National League whatsoever so they are punching above their weight and fair play to them and uh, as you say the boy uh, Greg Ollie I mean Greg's been in our squad as well uh, a couple of times and been looked at and uh, it was great to see him come back and to score the winner. That's what you know. Players sometimes it's when they've been out of the game for a long, long time. It's just what they need, and uh, it's great to see him get the winner. But if you don't mind me coming, you know, just on the, on the Dover, they, they had a good run as well, haven't they? They've been unbeaten uh, yeah. in the six matches before that. So Andy Hesselton has gone in there. Uh, he seems to be the real big fit for that club. You know, uh, he, he lives that way down in that part of the world. He's gone in there, and you know, the guy's got plenty of experience, plenty of know-how around the league, and uh, he seems to just uh, steady the ship there. And uh, they, they, I wouldn't say pulled away; they, it was they must have been slightly disappointing. But they're they're out of the, the bottom four now. They're in about 19th position on 33 points. So, um, you know, I, I think they're going to be all right. Yeah, I, I I think you're probably right there, Mick, and and and. 
You know what? We talk about how contrasting this league is, but at one end, it's so, so difficult to get out. Still, you know, just the one automatic uh, play, uh, promotion spot and then everybody fights out from second to seventh place down for the other one. But at the other end, it's like a massive trapdoor, isn't it? Four teams go uh, fall out the bottom and uh, it's mm. a right old scramble down there at the moment. How do you how do you see that going? I mean, Braintree, we've touched on them earlier. They uh, they might possibly have a little bit too much to do this season. Um, what about the other teams in the mix? I know the team I'm involved with, Aldershot, they're very much uh, in that pack. Uh, you saw them a couple of weeks ago. What's your thoughts on the, uh, on the relegation position? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, to see uh, the likes of... Uh all shots, of course, Chesterfield down there uh, in the bottom four is a is a difficult one really to to, to understand that. But uh, again, I, I believe when I look down there, as you say, you, you, you're going from you say Barnet have got plenty of games in hand. We mentioned Barnet, but they're in 17th place and they're only five points above the relegation zone at the moment. So mm-hmm. it just shows you've got quality club there. So you know, from Barnet down 35, well, you've got Halifax who are on 35 as well and then it's uh, Chesterfield on the on the 30 mark so from sort of uh, 16th down to 21st it's uh, there's no, not many points between them so it's going to be a scrap I think you're right in terms of Braintree I, I do believe you know they've lost their manager as well uh, who's gone with John Steele to, to Mainstone but for them to get out of it and again I think they find it difficult because they're not full time The this league now does really ask for full-time uh, football you know in terms of everyday work so yeah it's going to be a difficult one there uh, but I, I, again all the shot when I saw them at Dagger and Redbridge I, I believe they they have enough uh, and they've also got a, a top guy there in, in Gary Waddock who I, you know has got a lot of knowledge and a lot of know-how to, to perhaps just uh, find a way out and what I keep saying Rob you know we all, we all want to be purist the way we want to play football but sometimes it's about how you win a game of football and sometimes you've just got to find a way to win and uh, when you're in that relegation scrap I think it's important that you just you just get yourself over the line and win games of football really I totally totally agree with that last point that you just made and that's one of the things that makes it so much more difficult perhaps for Warwick and Aldershot because they you know he, he, he does always want to make true to the way he wants to play football but mm. You know, one of the issues is they're still getting it down. The quality of the pitches in the National League is great, even through the winter. You know, it's wonderful these days, and they can still play it. But sometimes it's a, it's about nous as well, isn't it? It's about you know w- within the the rules of the game, a little bit of gamesmanship, about uh, uh, varying the tempo when you need to, about running the clock down, about you know just keeping the ball sometimes. The fascinating thing for me about this season's National League relegation scrap is this. Look at those teams we've just talked about and look at the quality and experience of those managers. John Sheridan, Alan Devonshire, John Still and Gary Waddock. They are in a right old scrap and they're going to have to call on every bit of management experience they've got between them um, because... You know, it's very likely that a couple of those managers that I've just mentioned there are going to go down this season. Oh, yeah, you're dead right. There's some real experience within that group of players or managers you just mentioned, and that's why they've been brought in. They've been brought in to just hopefully just turn it round and do everything within their power. They know what's needed. And it's like everything, Rob, I always say, 
if you haven't got the clientele, sometimes you want to play it a certain way. And if you haven't got that clientele, it's very, very difficult. So what they've got to do is, as I keep saying, find a way, dig deep. You're, you're right, it's about the word gets used, it gets banded around all the time now, game management. But it is a game management. You've got to manage the game. You know, it might be you go out the first half and you make sure you don't give anything away. You're tight, you're not... You don't really perhaps express yourself. You stay in the game. And then you t- you look perhaps for the last 20 minutes, you know. You look for the last 20 minutes and say, hey, look, we're still in this game. Is there an opportunity for us to just fashion that one op- that one chance? It, uh, I mean, I've seen Devon Stewart at uh, Maidenhead. I mean, they rely massively on, on set pieces. I mean, they, they, they just rely on getting the big guns forward. They pick up free kicks in around the box, corner kicks or whatever. And they try to capitalise on that. Now, whether that's ugly football or whether it's effective football, it depends on the way you want to look at it. As I say, when people look at the results, they don't know, uh, you know, how the goals were scored. So it's sometimes, you know, just making uh, sure you get over the line, and especially when you're in that, that bottom pack. There's no doubt about that. So in your role, you're obviously involved with England C, making your goalkeeping coach yeah. there. I mean, it's a very important role for, and as you say, you're going around grounds watching out for different players, really. Yeah, I mean, uh, what happens, mate, is, uh, yeah, I mean, predominantly that's my role is, is uh, alongside Paul Fair. I've been with Paul now for over 16 years. Yes, goalkeeping is, is my forte, but... I do believe I offer a lot more than that. Uh, it's just it's only me and Paul Fairclough now, you know, who are the, the staffing, you know, or the, or the coaching staff. So I do uh, uh, privy to other bits and pieces with Paul in terms of, I wouldn't say, I, yeah, but in a way that I assist him in many, many areas of uh, of the team. So you're right, I go uh, to many games in the National League and below, you know, National League South and North, and then you know we even come down to step three. Uh, to have a look at and, and even for sometimes uh, if players are, are flagged up so yeah it's, it's a, an incredible I'm, I'm incredibly lucky to, to do what I do and uh, you know in terms of the goalkeeping side what we just mentioned it is a specialised position it needs specialised coaching it needs special understanding but as I say the whole, the overall role that I play with England C is a, a lot more than that Mick can I just you mentioned 16 years working with Paul Fairclough just give us a bit of history give us a bit of background how did it all start for you? yeah I mean you're right I mean um, we, we know how the, the England C team had different game, national game 11 and bits and pieces like that different names the England amateur side whichever you want to call it but I've known Paul uh, for, for, for many many years previous uh, of course, our past cross in football. Basically, uh, yeah, the opportunity arose. He, he he got the position as manager, which he's done a brilliant job with that uh, England C setup. And yeah, it was a it was a conversation we had. And uh, yeah, very very fortunate to you know still be in the role with him. And uh, you know, it's a, a real honour to represent England. You know, and uh, as I said, that's uh, at any level. And as I said, Paul has seen perhaps what I can do in terms of my qualifications and my knowledge and um, I, I always base myself I'm so enthusiastic about how I want to help players you know when you're as a coach the biggest thing I always say is can you improve player performance and that's that's my my mantra if you like if I'm going and it's uh, help these, these young players develop and go back into the football league I mean if you don't mind me saying Rob I mean 
uh, I've jotted down now, you know, we've, we've had over 200 players now in that England C setup who have gone back into the Football League or Premier League. You know, it's an incredible mm. stat, really. That is wonderful, isn't it? And you're so enthusiastic. You, know, you mentioned you've been doing it 16 years, but you bounced over to the media box at Dagenham a couple of weeks ago when we actually met properly for the for the first time and you're so across you know who's playing who's available and you got you have a massive list on your sort of spreadsheet or something that literally tells you who's qualified to potentially pay because I remember you saying to me I think before the game that uh, for example Jerry McDonough the striker for all the shots has been released from Barnsley he's already played for another country sort of thing yeah I mean yeah listen we, we, we try our best to make sure that all bases are covered, if you like, Rob, in terms of players who, have, who, who are flagged up. And again, you know, for, for the people that are listening on this on this podcast, it's look, the England C side is an under-23 team. That's what it is. It's, it's based as an under-23 team. So, you know, it's players who have got that uh, that qualification and uh, we will see them. I mean, there has been a number of players, you're right, who have been released. From, see, what happens with this England C team, there's no doubt about it it gives them another platform to go again these players because many and many players have been released at uh, pro clubs and then when I say lost their way they've, they've got to find a new way back in they've got to find a new path a new road and these guys uh, with the England Sea I just think it really gives them as I said Andre Gray was a, is a prime example you know an £18 million player you know and there he was you know, I wouldn't say out in the doldrums, but come through and then you finish up at Luton. And we selected him from Luton when I was in the National League or the conference. And uh, as I say, the rest is history. Sam Klukas is another one just to flag up. You know, these guys have played in the Premiership. You know, it's, it's quite incredible, really. Mm. As someone who didn't move on and up through uh, playing for England, see, Mick, but who epitomises, uh, you know, that uh, togetherness, that non-league spirit, is your record appearance holder, uh, Jake Gallagher, full character at non-league level. And, and by his own admission, he, he perhaps lacked one or two qualities, pace or whatever, that might have stopped him from moving up. But my goodness me, he's worn that shirt with passion and the armband. Well, without doubt, as I said, he, he played 10 times for England C. I mean, and, and had some outs, you know, he was one of those guys that we got into the squad because what you've just said, passion, enthusiasm, desire, drive and I won't say knew his limitation but knew what he could do to help the side and when you're when you're coaching and when you've got a group of players together you, you've got to get the right mix you've got to get the right ingredients and you know Jake used to come in he'd hold that midfield area and uh, he would he would work his socks off for the team as I said he's uh, he does he does epitomize what, what just through sheer determination and hard work and dedication what you can achieve and uh, he's a top boy as well he's a top young man who I've got a lot of time for he, 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 just, he deserves all the accolades no doubt about that Mate just uh, just changing tack a little bit um, what, what's the opposition like that, that you play and, and how do you find them what's the, the sort of depth I know a lot of them uh, the depth of non-league football isn't the same in, in other countries but tell us a little bit about the, the opposition that you play Yeah it's a, it's a good, good uh, question I mean Things are a little bit different, slightly different at the moment. We, 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 we I mean, not not had a tough time, but trying to get opposition. We used to have the European Challenge Trophy, and incredibly, I mean, we played Russia. You know, we've gone out to Russia. I mean, as again, it's usually these uh, other sides. It's either they're under twenty ones, they're full under twenty one squad, or they're full under twenty three squad. 
And I mean, when we played Slovakia last season, I mean, you know, they had guys who were playing you know, at Fulham. They had Fulham. Well, the guy who actually scored against us finished up playing for Slovakia's first team against England at Wembley and scored again. So he, <laughs> that's the sort of calibre. I mean, you know, uh, those when we played, uh, say, Belgium, when we played Belgium a number of years ago, I remember playing Belgium at Luton. I mean, it brings back memories. It gives me a tingle, actually. We won 1-0. We won and Matthew Barnes Homer, Homer was playing I think at, at Macclesfield at the time uh, anyway we won 1-0 and uh, losing goal was Poitras would you believe you know <laughs> I mean it just shows you you know uh, the, the, the calibre and Toby Adevero was playing in that game as well so the, it's the opposition are of high quality I can't even pronounce the guy's name who's the centre forward at Everton he played against us for Turkey a couple of seasons ago and uh, Everton oh, signed him Toston yeah he played against Careful. us twice Careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you done well there that's why I let you do it but uh, he played against us and just shows you know he's playing in the premiership and I mean uh, no so the calibre is very very high I mean what we always try to say though with this England C team is that we go out and uh, we, we, we try to really make sure we also work within the community I mean, we've been out and played in Jordan. When and played in Jordan, incredible to go at Jordan, you know, and play in Armand there. We played in the uh, the King Abdullah Stadium. And uh, Luke Berry, actually, who's at Luton now, he was playing at Cambridge and he scored. We won one nil there. And uh, so it, it's a real, well, I say diverse, but a real good, you know, over Europe. And then we, we've been to other places like Grenada, Barbados. I mean, it's quite incredible, really. But uh, at the moment, there's a little bit of a change in the, in the tact to who we're playing because I think there's uh, there's certain other criteria now where uh, we don't always get the, the, the they get ranking points when they play you know and I I think when they play England C I don't know if they get ranking points so they fought, try to find other uh, other countries to play but hopefully we will you know we getting we've, we've got Wales we're playing Wales actually uh, again for people who may be interested uh, at Salford. Uh, we play Wales at Salford March the nineteenth, so that'd be you know be a good game as well, you know. Yeah, I'll try and get we'll try and get down for that, won't we, Chris? I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You'll enjoy it, guys. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, again it's, as I keep saying to you, you know, I'd love to see you guys there because you will see the top guys in in the national league. You know, these are the, the cream of the crop, if you like. You know, we, I mean, strangely enough, we played Wales last season. We, we got a result. We we, we won three um, two, and the, the boy uh, Fajiri Okambiri actually scored a hat trick, and uh, he's, he's knocking the goals in there for uh, for Shrewsbury. You know, that that was a a real uh, people took notice. He scored a hat trick, and you know, in a few months, he's. He's, he's flying now at Shrewsbury so it just shows you it does give these boys a real uh, lift to go on to the next level again you know so I've got a question for you Mick what I wanted to ask was who qualifies so in terms of the eligibility of players so at the minute you've got a young lad called Joseph Bursick who's on loan at Telford from Stoke so he, he won the, he's, he's a World Cup winner he won the England under 17 World Cup but because mm. he's playing in the National League North can he be qualified to play for England C or is it because technically he's at a league club he can't play no you're dead right uh, mate you, you, you've called it it's so sad because we can't select those guys you know unless they are if they're attached to a, you know, a football league or a Premier League uh, we can't select them unfortunately and that is a, a real dilemma for us because mm. Within the England setup, that's exactly right. I mean, from a goalkeeping standpoint, going back uh, last season, because again we're an under twenty-three outfit, it's it it does make it difficult sometimes. I mean, the goalkeeper we've always been blessed with uh, excellent goalkeepers coming through at that age group, but the ones that I were looking at were on 
the boy Nathan Baxter was playing regular at, uh, at Woking and uh, he, but he was on loan from Chelsea so we couldn't select him so you're right and if they're in the uh, if they're in the mix with pro clubs unfortunately we can't select them so they've got to be guys who are signed full time and um, that's when we can you know um, scout them if you like that's a shame because that would have been a real kudos wouldn't it to say we've got a World Cup winner in our squad oh yeah without without a shadow of a doubt there's, there's been a number of that you know where we've been able to or would like to have selected them but you're dead right but again I think we we've, we have to be very very uh, well not careful that's the wrong word but just be mindful of um, the idea of, of the England C setup is guys who have come through the non-league setup. Uh, yes they are playing you know you know, say the guy from Stoke playing down there, but he is still technically a player in the Football League or the Premier League. So, yeah, it's it, this is the opportunity because these guys, you know, when they go to England, see they get their full, they get their, they get a cap, you know, they get the uh, the England cap. It's all done properly. I mean, when I say properly, it's all done professionally and correctly. Mm. They come away, they get all of their. Uh, yeah, everything behind the scenes um, from equipment and the doctor to the physio to uh, sports scientists you know they're treated exceptionally exceptionally well and rightly so because it is we, when they come away we say to them you, you know you're in a professional environment now and uh, they they go back to their clubs and I'm, I'm sure you know tell their clubs that what a, what a great uh, opportunity and uh, environment to be in you know so which players um, or which goalkeepers in particular should we be looking out for you know who are kind of knocking on the door for England C recognition well yeah at the moment uh, the, the last couple of guys we had in the last game was the boy Ryan Huddart who was playing at Borenwood uh, and, and there again you know there's a, there's, a, there's a keeper there who was and has been in the Arsenal European squad you know when he was a, you know you know what it's like they have to have X amount of English players sitting in the group Mm. So he's been, you know, he's even sat on the bench a couple of times in European games. But he's at Boreham Wood now. Uh, so he's he's one that's been in, in the mix. Uh, also, Ben Killip, who's playing at Braintree, although it's Braintree at the bottom of the, the, bottom of the pile. Uh, but I've been impressed he's with him. He's getting plenty of practice. Uh, yes, he's getting plenty of practice. But, but when I say that, uh, Rob, you know, you're right, he gets plenty of practice, but he gets plenty of opportunity. That's what I always say to him. You know, yeah. opportunity to 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 ply their trade because that's what you want. He was a uh, again, he was at uh, young lad at Norwich, I believe, and then he was at uh, Groomsby. You know, again, from a goalkeeping standpoint, to come through is not always easy. I mean, we look at young goalies; they they don't always managers, coaches. It's a it's a it's a dilemma, isn't it, to put a young goalie in the, in the team because their job's on the line, and uh, we want these goalies to develop, but. I always say goalkeeping, you know, is a, is a position, as I said, mentioned, is specialist. It happens at the top level. The best goalies are not the ones that make all the great saves. They're the ones who make the fewest mistakes because they're the best goalies. Yeah, and, 100%. You know, is that, is that the position, you know, you're the full guy and, uh, you know, but the, you want Mr. Consistency. You want people in there. You go, when they do make an error, because they all, we all make them. All make them goalkeepers. It's just one of those, it's position that you're set up to... You know, but the best ones will make the fewest mistakes, and the great saves will look after themselves. So, that's that's my you know the way I I, I put when I coach my keepers to say be Mr. Consistency, save the things that are savable. But no, you you know there's some good young goalies out there, so um, they're they're being yeah. bagged out. I mean, I think Joel Dixon may at Barrow still is under our radar as well, and uh, 
the boy Gregory at Bromley, I know. Um, so, yeah, it's we've had some good ones come through, though, uh, Rob. Uh, you know, in going back many, many moons ago, we had David Stockdale. I mean, how incredible was that? He came away at uh, Nicky Ball, you know, who, who played. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- these these guys went on to do exceptionally well. Uh, Chris Chrissy Will played for Yeovil, so there's been some, you know, really top keepers come through over the years. Any team that's going to be successful, in my opinion, need to have it with a good goalkeeper. You won't be successful whether you're playing just minor league, you know, whether you're playing Sunday league right the way through grassroots football all the way through to the national league right to the top no one does it with a, with a poor goalkeeper you do it with a good goalie who who for me gives so much confidence to the team we, we, you've been around football you guys you know what it's like you see a keeper perform and the incredible effect he has on his teammates but also on the opposition if the keeper starts playing the opposition get oh, they, they, it's, they just feel they can never score past him it's just it's a massive, massive part of the game. And the thing is, you have to be a real strong character to play in that position. And one of the things that one of the things that makes it so difficult, Mick, is is the fact that you go right back to when do we start playing football? We start playing football at school, and so often nobody wants to be the goalkeeper, do they? I can remember both my sons; they're 23 and 21 now, but prolifically played Colts football. And and funnily enough, both of them were up the other end and, and regularly scoring goals. But their teams lost so many games because they didn't have anyone who wanted to play in goal. Someone was stuck between the posts against their will and they might score four, but they let in six and lose. Yeah, so it's a superb point. You know, that's why it's important to, you know, and I, and I say this in a in the nicest way possible, but the press goalkeepers get, you know, at the top level, you know, all due respect, I'm seeing pundits sitting there on match of the day and various other sort of uh, shows and they've never played in goal they've never played in goal they never know what the position's like then and they're making big big calls on you know I mean it, it's it's unless you've played there and understood the position the dynamics of it the, the conditions the way uh, the, the game's going I mean but as I said you, you could be out of the game for, 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 for long periods of time and if you just lose that 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 focus that concentration you, we mentioned earlier on you know about living the, the goalkeeper's got to live every second uh, and if you don't live every second of the game that's the time you found out but you're right you know we need to make sure that they're not put down you know too many goalkeepers are put down by you know by people who, who, who don't really know the position in my opinion it's great as well Mick that you're saying that you're, you're delving into step three as well because it gives goalkeepers at that level hope I suppose doesn't it that, that they're not being ignored because they're not playing in the National League or the National League North or South yeah I say just not just the keepers I think all players you know they should know that that you know our net does you know spread far and wide I mean Paul has Paul Fairclough and has got a, a scouting system of guys that he trusts and know all over you know, in the north and the south, and they do go to games. And you know, when you've been in football for a, a long, long time, you, you build up a, a, a rapport. You hope with managers, coaches, people in the game who go to games. And you know, I get recommendations come, and uh, not all. You know, I try to follow them up. You know what it's like. And, and I, I, going back to the, to, a, to the keepers, it's, it's not just about the saves. You know what we can all make saves we can all do that it's the other parts of the game that makes the goalie yeah. you know they might have a great game making four or five saves yeah, distribution bravery you just said about presence the way they, they've got to have their um, mentality their confidence these are the things that make the goalie the saves are if you can't make you know, it's, it's like a chef 
if you're in a restaurant and you can't boil an egg, you're not going to be very good at it. But as a goalkeeper, if you can't <laughs> shot stop, yeah. I mean, if you can't shot stop, then you shouldn't play in goal. But it's the other mm. things that make the goalie, in my opinion. Yeah, like you say, the shot savings are bread and butter, isn't it? And the goalkeeping is becoming such a more all-round game now. Like you said, you have to be kind of a footballer, you know, to, to maybe start attacks and they need to command their area and catch and punch and things like that. Well, when you say start attacks, you look, you know, you're dead right. You know, distribution is huge now. We've seen it. We you know, look at the top level. We, we just get it right. You know, you're looking at Liverpool about, you know, going to spend big, big money. Man City are going to spend big, big money, you know, on goalkeepers. Chelsea have, you, you know, Arsenal. They, they, these are the, t- I know we're not talking National League there, but it just shows you. And again, in the National League, managers are seeing how vital their keeper is and you are you're the first line of a uh, of attack when you've got the ball at your feet i say to my goalies look you are the conductor for that moment in time you are the main man and what you do with the ball could result in us getting an opportunity to score it's not about you know just lumping it up the, up the field now it's about trying to start an attack it might be a throw it might be a, a driven pass and your feet, you know, goalkeeper's feet have got to be like a set of golf clubs. You know, they've got to be like, a, you've got to be able to drive it, you've got to be able to dink it, you've got to be able to bat it. You know, it's got, you've got to be able, you know, you've got to have a real good uh, array of passing ability. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. And it was an interesting day in the FA Trophy. There's a lot of shocks around uh, and most of the shocks involved National League North teams, didn't they, Chris? Stockport had a great win at Harrogate and the holders, Brackley, are still in it. They're looking to maybe retain the trophy. They won 2 at Chesterfield. Yeah, they are and we know how good Brackley are. Well, everyone knows how good Brackley are because they won the thing last year, as you said. And uh, But going to Chesterfield as well, a lot of people, well, the bookies didn't have them favourites for that game as you wouldn't expect with Chesterfield being in a high division, even though they are struggling a little bit. And they went there and they turned them over and... Um, well, it's been good, hasn't it, the FA Trophy for them in in uh, in previous years, Brackley. Um, unfortunately, the form in the trophy hasn't converted ideally to the form in the league this this season for them. But they they take this competition seriously, and I, I remember having a chat with um, it's Tim Carroll, isn't Tim it, Carroll, at, at yeah. Brackley uh, last season, and I, I sort of mentioned what would you rather do, get promoted or or win the trophy, and he, he had he really did have problems answering that question. So, <laughs> So, um, yeah, they take it seriously and a great win for him yesterday. Can they retain it, Chris? I mean, can, can they actually... They're in the quarterfinals now, aren't they? Can they actually go to, back to Wembley and win it? Yes, I think they can because they did it last year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they knocked teams out on the way. I think it'll be more difficult this season and I'll tell you why. Because Salford are still in it and so are Leighton Orient and so are Solly Moors. And so they're three teams that are going really well in, in the National League and it depends how seriously they take take that competition. There wasn't one at Brisbane Road, you were at Leighton Orient versus Blyde Spartans and it looked like a tight game. Yeah, I've got to say, Luke, yes, it was a tight game. I mean, it wasn't the, uh, the game for the purists. I've got to say, Blyde, for me, were outstanding. They set their stall out. They, they looked like they'd done their homework, you know, on a, the way uh, Leighton Orient were going to play and... Uh, I've got to say, I was outside the ground earlier on and uh, terrific uh, support from the Blythe uh, supporters as well. I mean, close to 300 of those. One guy actually dressed as a Spartan as well, which was fantastic. But uh, no, I mean, uh, Alan Armstrong would be absolutely delighted. I mean, they, they deserve to, to come away with something, really. Unfortunately, it wasn't. James Turley come up and scored an excellent goal at the end. But 
I've got to say Blythe were, were you know, good value, really. Yeah, I know Blythe are a team, obviously, Chris, you've seen a lot of, and um, they would have gone to Lake Norwich with no fear, would they? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're a really attacking side. I, I don't know how they played yesterday, but they're normally really expansive. They're, they're not a team who would set up to, to defend and, and hit a team on the break. They are. They have a great travelling support. It was really interesting, Mick, because we were we were talking about Blythe uh, on the pod last week and about they're looking to up their average home game seven hundred to to a thousand to to keep them sustainable. And I'd seen on Twitter there was some some great support down there yesterday. So it was uh, it was really good to see him giving Leighton Orient a game. Yeah, no, you say, Chris. You know, from from that point of view, you're right. I mean, I think they set their they're stalled out a little bit different yesterday. Uh, Dan McGuire sort of was the lone striker, really, yesterday. So uh, uh, when you say he didn't play on the break, they played uh, what I call very, very sensible football, really, and just made sure that they got around Dan McGuire when they played the ball in. But they had one or two chances. Um, you know, on another day, they may have come back, you know, with a win. But as I said to you just now, you know, for me, they definitely deserved a draw out of that game, definitely deserved a replay. And, uh, you know, if, if I was a supporter of Blythe Spartan and the management and the players, they should be delighted and really, really pleased with their performance. It was a it was a top performance from them guys. Stockport County, Chris, they went to Harrogate. Great win for them after falling behind. But what I will say is, do you think the, the surface Harrogate play on would suit Stockport County? And, and maybe it was a, a good draw from in that way? Uh, well, I don't, I don't see why why it would suit Stockport more than Harrogate who play on it all the time I think we've we've had the, the 3G discussion many times and most teams do train on it especially during the winter months otherwise they'd, you know, they'd be training indoors a lot of the time and so I don't think it was to do with that I think of all Stockport County's wins in, in recent weeks and I was just looking at it they haven't lost for for 13 matches they've won 12 and they've um, they've drawn one of those at Alfreton I think this is one of the best because Harrogate uh, are in the playoff positions they're not in good form at the moment um, and it was 4-2 they won 4-2 Harrogate's was a bit of a consolation at the end they were 4-1 up and they were absolutely flying for everything I heard Stockport County played them off the park I'm not sure what this means for Harrogate it will surely be a blow for them uh, they played a strong team yesterday and for Stockport County well they, they just carry on marching on in, in the FA Trophy and the league the reason I asked that question was because it's it's a nice surface in Stockport like to get the ball down and play and there would have been no gremlins in the surface either uh, yeah possibly they do like to get the ball down and play they're not the, the most flowing passing side in the league and they do like um, they, they do play the odd long ball to, to Stockport County but um, no I, I don't think it would I don't think it would suit them um, more than Harrogate I must admit let's take a quick look at Barnet Mick I mean it's been a crazy week for them they're involved in a, a dramatic 3-3 with Brentford and then on Saturday they were involved in a dramatic 3-3 as well at Cashalton they were 3-1 up in that game before Cashalton pegged them back yeah as I said I know one or two, well, I know a number of the boys there at, uh, at Barnet and uh, as, you, as we all know Darren Curry's going there and they've got the uh, the head coach's job there that the, seems to be the title but no I mean uh, yeah yeah scored six let six in so it's uh, you know quite an incredible sort of uh, two games that they've played of recent but no you're right I mean uh, I think there were some changes yesterday for Barnet because of this replay that they've got against Brentford you know as we all know uh, when we're in football with uh, the lower league sides uh, guys it's uh, you know it's their cup final you know let's get it right you know when they go to Brentford uh, Barnet are going to go there and um, you know got nothing to lose everything to gain and uh I'm sure they're going to uh, represent the uh, non-league football or the national league, you know, in a in a, in a great manner because uh, 
they've done exceptionally well uh, in that last game. You know, the boy Sparks scored a terrific goal, didn't he? The free kick was outstanding oh, yeah, to yeah. get the equaliser. So, you know, let's all uh, you know be behind them and hopefully they get something out of that game. Absolutely, and in terms of the trophy as well, it, it's kind of anyone's game, isn't it, Mick? I mean, Leighton Orient are, are, are taking it seriously. It's Salford are, um, Barnet are. They all put strong teams out, but then you've got the other well, teams like Stockport and Brackley as well. Who fancy it? Well, exactly right. You know, Brackley you know, know plenty about it, don't they, from last season? And uh, yeah, look, you know, I, I was talking to people over at the um, at Leighton Orient yesterday, you know, and. Uh, Three games from Wembley. That's how I see it, you know. And uh, these clubs, whatever, whatever you say, yes, we we all want to win promotion from it. They're, they're, they're sort of various leagues, but for me, getting a Wembley final, you know, that's why you have to dig in. Yes, that's what I was saying. It wasn't a, a great game at the Orient, but the Orient dug in, got the result done. And when May turns up, you know, in, in the nice weather in May, if you get a chance to play at Wembley in a cup final, it's just brilliant for the club. It just gives a great injection of. Uh, uh, in terms of where they want to be, the fans love it. It's, I just think it just does great things for club and morale, if you like. Can I just ask you a question, Mick, about uh, Barnett's oh, yeah. situation? A couple of things, really, on the Barnett score, really. One is the form of Shaquille Coulthurst, because I watched him pre-season. I saw him again soon after, um, uh, and, and, and he didn't really look as though things were happening for him. But he's come alive now, hasn't he? I think he's uh, just about hit double figures for the season. He's a player that's been at a higher level, and he's keen to get back there. Yeah, you're right, Rob. I mean, I, I, I to be honest, I've only seen him twice, and and you're right. I think the words you just said come alive, and that's what you need from players. You need them to sometimes, perhaps sometimes you have to just take a little step back. You know, where's he been? Why has he been the way the way he's played? But sometimes they take a step back, and then they have to realise they've got to come alive if they're gonna make it in the game and uh, there's no doubt about it a boy's got pace a boy's got strength and um, you know he is an asset to to the Barnet side so you know down the line you know hopefully uh, things fingers crossed you go on and uh, you know have a, have a terrific career but good opportunity against Brentford isn't it yeah absolutely and and, and uh, for Shaquille Coolhurst right now probably the games can't come quick enough but there is a problem yeah. for Barnet uh, and you know another replay now to fit in I was waiting to see if that one did go straight to uh, to penalties or extra time whatever the scenario is I can't remember now but the clubs obviously didn't agree that um, and that's one more mm. game for Barnes to fit in they're already five games behind the majority of the others in the league it's going to be a it's going to be a tough schedule for them now going forward well no doubt about that I mean that sometimes does happen doesn't it with clubs it classes success well I do you know when you're playing in cup competitions yes unfortunately you don't want replays uh, we, we all we realise that but I still maintain you know that's what you sign up for you sign up for the start of the season and you know what it comes with the territory if you like and uh, you know yes they have fallen behind in terms of their league status but you know they will they will get together they've got a very very good squad over there it's an excellent ground at, uh, at Barnet and uh, you know I just wish at times the support would be a little bit better because uh, as I say the facilities over there are, are top draw they're, they're top notch and uh, they're ready to rock over there so I'm, I'm sure Darren Curry and he's uh, Junior Lewis there the coaching staff with the players and everybody connected with that club they'll give it a good go this year so we're going to have a look at the, the National League North now Hi everyone I'm Martin Tyler you are listening to the NL Full Time Podcast and in the National League North well we've got to start off 
at the bottom because it was a dramatic day, wasn't it? Chris Hereford do a lead in against Curzon up until the hour mark and then Curzon came back to win it by two goals to one and Mark Bradshaw said they were a bit fortunate to win but he, he said, it, ironically he said it, we, we did better when we were less disciplined i.e. the three men forward and went and won the game. <laughs> yeah and uh, well so whatever he's doing there is working at the moment and when you're winning you're winning aren't you and you find a way to win and Sean Miller certainly did that because that is some volley um, for the winner in the 88th minute in that game if you get a chance to have a look at it do um, Mark Bradshaw's doing something right and I held my hands up last week I held my hands up the week before because we talked about the departure of John Flanagan and how we thought that was a mistake and it could cost Curzon well now Curzon are four points off the playoffs um, and the the team in that playoff position is one of Sean Miller's old clubs altering them um, and they're absolutely flying Hereford will be absolutely gutted with that they were 1-0 up they need the points they're in trouble they really are in trouble now they're, um, they're in the position precariously just above the relegation zone but Curzon Ashton unbelievable they were in trouble a few weeks ago and now they've, uh, they've steered themselves out of it yeah, it was a dramatic day at the bottom of the National League North. FC United, they took the lead at Boston before losing 2-1. And York were 2-1 down at Alfton with 10 minutes to go. And you thought, here we go, same old York. But maybe Steve Watson's changed the mentality around. That wouldn't be a game that they've that would be a game that they'd have lost over the last two years, Chris, but he came back and won it. Yeah, it, it was um, it was a strange strange old day, wasn't it, yesterday? Um, because obviously we had all the postponements and there was three matches and he, each one of those three matches, the team, one of the teams that were in front in the game ended up losing the game. So it was a real, a real crazy day. If I take, um, if I take Alfredson first, what a win that was for for York yesterday. Even though Restart's got a double in that game, York City, and I've just looked at the interview actually with, with um, Steve Watson. He was delighted with that. He does emphasise that it's only a starting point, but he was absolutely delighted. He he's getting a little bit fed up of his team gifting other teams goals, as he said in the last few matches in his interviews. But um, yeah, that is the start, isn't it? Hopefully for for York City of steering themselves away. A guy that I really rated when I saw them actually at Stockport County the other day, one of the few um, was Alex Kempstone. He got on the score sheet. I think he got the one of the late equalisers before Jordan Burrow got a goal in that game. And so maybe that's the turning point for York and maybe that's the start of them marching up the table. In terms of Boston and FC United, well, FC United really needed the points and when Chris Sharp put them put them ahead after eight minutes. The man who's had more clubs and hot dinners, by the way, the son of Graham Sharp, um, I think they would have thought that um, that hopefully they could they could hold out or get another. But Boston are resilient these days. They are they have been a bit mediocre this season. Um, but someone who we know well, someone who absolutely banged in the goals for Frickley in uh, a league a league lower, someone that uh, Craig Elliott knows really well from Shore Lane. He's at Boston United with him now, Gavin Allett, and he was a bit of a legend uh, in Step 3. And um, he's doing it again at Boston because he got the first goal in that game. And I thought Boston might be a dark horse this season. They, they are within striking distance of the playoffs. 
Um, but I think they they need to build on this, and they, they they really need to pick up and put a run in if they are going to get involved in that mix. Yeah, and finally, Kidderminster they announced Mark Yates as manager this week. He's, they're kind of going back to what they know. He, he had a really successful period there, and it's a safe pair of hands for him, Chris, isn't it? Somebody who the fans will get behind, and and he knows the club as well. Yeah, it's one of those that you look at and you think, yes, that's a, that is a superb appointment. Mike Yates he did a fantastic job at, at Solihull, didn't he, uh, recently, um, and didn't quite work out for him at Macclesfield, but I think that's an absolutely fantastic um, appointment there for Kidderminster, and Kidderminster have lost their way in, in recent weeks, they, they started off looking like they were going to be uh, you know, definite, at least playoffs, um, they haven't won very many games at all recently, and they're, they're dropping down the table, but it's not all is not lost, and there's plenty of time for them still to get into those playoff places and I think with Mark Yates' experience he knows the club like I say it's one of them that you look at and you think yes that's a, that's a really good appointment Yeah and I know a friend of the podcast as well Shane Wilkinson who does a lot of the media at Kidderminster he, he was delighted with that and he said now that there's been a bit of tension at home games with the crowd you know they're obviously wanting them to do a lot better and hopefully Mark Yates will bring that feel good factor around and he can push on into the playoffs because they have got the team to do well haven't they? Yeah they have they just haven't been firing um, they've been losing some close games and I had seen a bit of the not resentment frustration but over onto social media as well down there so I think that's a really good fit so we're going to have a look at the National League South now Hi I'm Jake Robinson and you're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast and in the National League South there was only three games like in the North and again they all kind of had consequences at both ends of the table big result for one of your teams in your man and Mick Chelmsford City 4-1 at home mm. to Hungerford and uh, they've really cemented their playoff place now yeah I say um, it was a big result there and uh, they're, they're, they're say in third position at the moment done a very very good job over there uh, Rod Stringer and no doubt about that again is that, you know we're talking about managers who've got experience and know how he does know how um, it might be not always for the purist in terms of the way that uh, he goes about his work at times, but he, he does it really, really well. He's got uh, an outstanding uh, pedigree and uh, he's done exceptionally well in, in, in non-league football. And again, I always say about Chelmsford, they, they come, I mean, yesterday, I'm just looking again, uh, close to a thousand people at that game, uh, you know, not an old afternoon and uh, they can command a decent crowd and I, I believe if they can get it right over at uh, Chelmsford uh, City there, they could be a force. Uh, they, they've been a little bit in the doldrums, haven't they, for for a number of seasons, number of years, and uh, it's a big, big, uh, a big sort of area of uh, fans who, who, if the team's doing well, could uh, you know really be a force in the, in, in, the, in the upcoming years. Really, there's a lot of experience, isn't there, Mick, in that Chelmsford side? You got Chris Welt, Dale, and Reese Murphy, who've done it at the the highest level of the National League with Dagenham as well. So that could stand them in good stead going forward. Oh yeah, he, again he's uh, picked up some uh, decent, uh, decent players in, in key positions, if you like. And uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. They're they're they're, they're on a, a good run um, in terms of their uh, the way that they go about their business is uh, yeah is is very tidy indeed. And uh, again, he needs to uh, you know rustling over there and uh, the group of players that he's got should be applauded to see where they are at the minute. And they are keeping the. Uh, the pressure up on Woking again we've mentioned who uh, you know want to get back into that uh, National League and of course Torquay and uh, Gary Johnson who's done you know marvellous things there so 
that's going to be a tight division as well. That's going to be a tight division. Yeah, it's great to see players uh, like Chris Welpdale, who've had decent spells in the Football League. Uh, I think he was at Gillingham, Peterborough, for, uh, off the top of my head. Um, revitalised there, enjoying his football. And Reese Murphy, 20 goals now this season as well. So Stringer's really getting the best out of those guys. And I think for Chelmsford this season, it's about probably getting across the line. They're, they're there or thereabouts. We see them, I think, they're per- almost permanently in and, in and around the playoff positions each season. But one of these seasons, they need to get across the line and, and actually uh, get themselves up there. Um, I know there's a number of people, including our friend Caroline as well, who'd be very happy if that, uh, if that did happen. A um, couple of other games in the National League South yesterday. A very, very good home win for Truro. 2-0 against Eastbourne Borough. That now lifts them seven points clear. Uh, of the drop zone with with games in hand for Truro as well yeah absolutely I think for them the return to Truro Road is, is going to be key in the second half of the season and uh, hopefully you know they'll have enough having gone through an awful lot of work to get up to this level and elsewhere I think Concord and Dulwich Hamlet played out a nil-nil draw which uh, might not uh, you know too many people might not make take great notice of but I, I did for a couple of reasons one Dulwich, they're sort of scrambling their way towards safety as well, a little bit like Truro, um, just ahead of the, the, the relegation pack. But uh, I did really, really want to mention as well in the National League South Roundup, all the best to our friend Mishy Morath from uh, Dulwich Hamlet, who came on the podcast just a few weeks ago. Um, we understand he was taken ill at a game uh, in Kent in the week, and uh, our very, very best wishes to, uh, to Mishy and to, to his family at the moment. Yeah, indeed, we echo that, and uh, from everyone here at NL Full Time, get well soon, Mishy. And in, in terms of of Concord, Mick, we uh, it was a bit of a missed opportunity for them in the end. I wouldn't say falling away; they're just uh, they're still in the mix. They can still get themselves in that uh, you know that top seven. I mean, they're just outside it at the moment. But yeah, it was a missed opportunity. But uh, Rob's dead right. I mean, Dulwich have just uh, they've got some good players over at Dulwich. Got, you know, they've got some good players there. Again, they haven't been. Uh, totally consistent enough I think like like Concord they just need that consistency both those clubs and I believe Concord will I wouldn't say punching above their weights but they are in terms of uh, the players that they've got at that club and where they are I think is uh, is testament to the, the, the good coach and the management that's gone over at Concord and uh, every time I go over to Concord Rangers it's a, it's a super club they really do make you welcome and uh, Let's see, you know, uh, if, if they did get into the uh, the National League, I think one or two changes need to happen over there because uh, uh, in terms of the, the, the structure of the, uh, of the club around, you know, the stands and things like that. But uh, but they do do very, very well and, uh, and I wish them well. In, in terms of the National League South, there are a lot of Essex derbies this year and that, and that must be good for the league and you'll get big crowds for it. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the one thing is the, the, the South is very... Uh, yeah, there's some you know very sort of close games to be played uh, amongst a, a number of clubs. So yeah, I mean again, uh, you, you look at that game and although Dulles, their 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 following is quite incredible, isn't it? I mean, again, you know, just looking at the uh, yeah, over 450 there, 450 at uh, Concord, and as I keep harping back, it was a miserable, well, miserable, it was cold afternoon. Uh, but yeah, decent crowd, and uh, I think Concord's crowds sort of average around about 300 so it was a, it was a decent crowd and uh, you're right I mean it, to see these local derbies it's it's good for the fans and they don't have to travel too far so our step step three focus this week we are going to look at 
first of all, the volunteers who got all the games on, and we are also going to look at Leatherhead, and we've got their manager on the line now. Hello, Nicky Bull. Good morning, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. And, and Nicky, you're having a pretty decent season down at Leatherhead, considering everything that's gone on. So it's, it's okay. Currently 13th in the division. Um, league's extremely tight, and I think as we sit today, we're six points off the playoffs. Um, so a big couple of weeks ahead that will determine whether you know we're going to stay around the mid-table or, or we can push on and look to try and break into that top five, which would be an unbelievable achievement for us. Rubble obviously fills in more, but you've had a lot of budget issues this year, haven't you? Yeah, when, when, when I talk about budget, obviously, you know, some people say, oh, why, why are you talking about the budget? It's just, it's just, you know, as a manager, we're front of house. We're in the dugout. We take the stick if the team's not winning. And sometimes you just have to make certain things known so that expectation levels are realistic with what you're working with you know everyone knows last year the club had a fantastic cup run got to the second round of the cup and they chose to really invest heavily into the playing squad and they just missed out on the playoffs last year but this year it's been reset back to 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 a much lower level um and we're relying on young hungry players and they're doing the job for us so at this moment in time i'm really happy with the squad i've got so i'm not moaning about the the budget by any means the budget is just a number and you have to make sure you get every ounce of value out of whatever your budget is. And Nicky, you're, you're being very modest in your achievements there because this season they were, they were, they, they, they were, low, you know, it was lowered. But, you know, within the season, you've had to recut your cloth accordingly as well, haven't you? Which meant you've had to, to, to let uh, players like Elliot Benyon go. I did note, you know, in particular your form over the last five or six games. I think it's 10 points out of the last 15. And what it seems to me from afar is regardless of any of that going on off the pitch, you've got a, a group that's together yeah certainly Rob and you know it is frustrating as a manager when when you lose uh, your better players um, and then you have to replace them obviously with, with, with younger ones but I'm, I'm actually have to say that I'm really enjoying the job I'm, I'm, I'm really infused by it I'm working with young players and you know when you're a manager and you're in this situation um, you do rely on your contacts and, and people you've built up over the years and it's, it's strange for me to say it as an ex-order shop player but the, the relationship I have with Woken at the moment is absolutely fantastic we've been able to dual reg a couple of their younger players from their academy who, who are doing exceptionally well for us they've loaned us some of their senior players when they're coming back from injuries obviously we get their players fit ready to go back into their first team so it's relationships like that we've had four or five players from Sutton's under 20s that aren't quite ready for their first team but they've come into our environment and some of them have actually gone back into Sutton's first team squad now so we're, we're enabling contacts people give us players that we don't necessarily have to pay, uh, pay for but we're developing them and they're going back to their clubs and they're happy with us and it is a contacts game and trying to make sure like I say that whatever your budget is it is just a number but you have to absolutely maximise every pound that you have and, and we managed to do that and it's really enjoyable at the moment having all these young kids running around from minute one to minute 90 and, and putting a shift in for the shirt. And, and talking of togetherness, Leatherhead probably typified yesterday the effort that went on all around the country, actually. But uh, I saw one of those photos of, of, of uh, some of the volunteers, you know, spades in hand, including a certain Mr. N. Bull as well. Just a word for those at Leatherhead and across the country who, who really, really uh, epitomise uh, the togetherness in non-league. You know, I, I, I can always relate to being all the shot in the days where we weren't in the football league when we was in the Ryman Premier and that. And there was there was that identity that supporters had with their football club, that sense of being, that sense of turning up on a Saturday and, and belonging to a football club. For whatever reason, over the last few years, Leverhead have kind of kind of lost that, uh, as as a lot of clubs has. And you know, 
when you put the rally and call out their fans to come in at nine in the morning with their forks and, and get the game on in the bar after the game this day it was amazing that these fans are having a pint knowing that there is bigger reason for getting the three points yesterday as anyone on the pitch you know because if they hadn't turned up at nine o'clock we'd all have been sat home watching the results on TV with a cup of tea and a packet of bourbons but because of them we've got the results so yesterday when everyone's going home the fans are feeling do you know what I've really contributed to the football club today and that goodwill might bring an extra 10 or 20 people to the game next week and then it grows and that's how you get you get things moving and you try and unite and unify because all fans want is that sense of belonging and we know Rob ourselves that unfortunately all the shit I've lost some over the years with transparency and communication and once you lose it it's very hard to get it back so when you can enable the supporters to get involved and have that sense of worth it pays off and I think karma was massive yesterday we wasn't great yesterday but I feel that because the fans put the effort to get the game on we were rewarded with three points and it was huge for us I must ask you about a club not too far down the road from you uh, step three uh, Staines uh, 14 consecutive defeats now in the Southern Premier South and uh, understand falling out with their owners as well which is the Thames Club uh, um, and uh, they're really really difficult times for Staines which which is a wonderful club actually and a uh, club you wouldn't wish that on No it just, it just goes to show doesn't it how move quickly in football I think it was only like three or so years ago they were mid-table in the Conference South you know looking to maybe push on and, and become a conference club they've got a good setup. it just goes to show sometimes when these people come in and purchase football clubs they don't put the right people in, in place they just think that you know an open checkbook will, will result in promotions etc but it's the same as any business and unfortunately people don't realise that if you're going into a football club you need football people in the right areas you need people that know about football on the board you need football people to liaise between the manager and the board um, and clubs that are successful do this and unfortunately people that just come in and think right we're going to run football clubs like our normal businesses in the business world they come unstuck they nail and the supporters people start voting with their feet they lose local sponsorship revenue owners get bored they stop trying to they, they don't want to meet the shortfall anymore and it becomes so fractured that the football club really can go from everything to nothing in a short space of time and it takes years and years and years to rebuild it. So, I just I just feel that you know there's a there's a there's a massive niche in the market now for people to actually go into football clubs as kind of advisors, consultants to these people with money. Because one, you're going to save them a hell of a lot of money because they don't know what they're doing. And secondly, it just enables everyone to stay on the same path and avoid these car crashes that just result in people almost losing their football clubs, which we don't want to see. Yeah, great point, Nicky. Thank you so much, and thanks for joining us. Uh as well um, hopefully we speak to you again before the end of the season thanks Nicky thanks Rob take care that was Leatherhead manager Nicky Bullen I'm, I'm glad he's a fan of Barbens as well <laughs> that's all I can say he's <laughs> sat there with his cup of tea so thank you Mick for joining us today it's been an absolute pleasure we've really enjoyed it well Luke from my point of view to be uh, part of your programme today has been, or your podcast has been uh, fantastic for me and uh, get behind that England C group and uh, the, the National League and down there's some fantastic clubs out there, some fantastic players, and uh, you know the, the, the fans. I, I always uh, applaud all the groups and people that go to these games and uh, getting behind their team. But it's been a it's been a good uh, 
opportunity to put that across. Thank you very much. Rob, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, pleasure as always, and, and particularly with so few games, some great guests. Lovely to speak to Miss Payne and Nicky Ball today. Excellent. Chris, thanks for joining us. And that is all. Thank you for joining us this week. Follow us on Twitter at NLFullTime. Uh, email us nlfulltime at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook as well. Until then, that's all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for listening and we shall see you all next week. <laughs>